Hey guys, welcome to Content Candy's new, new show. It's kind of an old show. It's uh, Cinema Bias with myself, Video Drew, and Alex Mack. Please enjoy. Check us out wherever you can find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, what have you. Like and rate and leave a review. That's like a thing you can do on podcasts. And make sure to also check out patreon.com backslash video drew to find out ways that you can support this channel, which is growing. Okay, end of thing. damn spiffy how are you i'm druish i'm <laughs> jewish it's an adjective now yeah uh hold on hi Ephraim. what'd you say is my what checked out it's an adjective your name's an adjective oh now? yeah i'm druish like i'm a jewish princess and I'm oh no that's a that's a star that's a star um not star trek Spaceballs. sorry space holes reference that i appreciate druish <laughs> Yeah, he's a Jewish princess, but actually I am just a Jewish princess. I and, and today has been very like crazy, but then I'm like, when have I ever gone on camera and been like, today was chill. Today I was relaxed and got got here on time to my own <laughs> apartment to be on camera where I'm already sitting. There's just I, never happens. <laughs> I literally got done watching this movie not even 20 minutes ago, to be completely oh. honest. I watched yeah. like like 30 minutes earlier today before work and then I watched the rest right when I got home to tacos while mm. eating tacos so that was delicious what kind of tacos um I the type of tacos I had was like a street taco kind of situation with nice. just some with some roasted seasoned chicken and slaw cheese salsa that's so delicious I had a ranch yumminess I forget like how entrenched my eating habits have gotten like over the pandemic until like yesterday we ordered in shawarma and I was like, oh my God, shawarma exists. Like I forgot about that. I thought it was just like a thing they did in the Avengers. Like, <laughs> really? Yeah. I forgot that like it existed and like was its own type of food and it's delicious. Um, it's because so good. It's I so don't good. have a car out here. So I don't like, I don't just drive around looking for delicious food trucks. I want some dumplings though. And watching Squid Game has made me really just want like a bunch of Korean food. What kind but, of dumpling specifically? Oh, uh, like bun, like I like those juicy buns, like the soup dumpling kind of things. I like a soup Ooh. dumpling situation. It's like a bread bowl, but with dumplings. You eat mm. it until it's squished in your mouth, and just like an eyeball, but good. No, um, we gotta do it. Like when you hold it with a chopstick, you'd have to take a little nibble of the skin, yeah. drink the juice, and then yeah. after you let that cool, then you can eat the dumpling. That's not me, gal. I'm like, nom, 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 nom. there's no chopstick. Like, nom, 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 nom. it is like me just. Throwing back dumplings. Um, oh, I, I thought of you earlier today when I- Oh, really? Read, no, I mean, <laughs> I it's just been, it's going everywhere on Twitter specifically how, how Megan Fox and her boyfriend, Machine oh. Kelly, what is it, oh, yeah. like Machine Gun Kelly or whatever his name Not is. Not Post Malone. 
<laughs> definitely not Mapose alone, and how they met. And it was pretty much they met at some kind of award show or some kind of after party. Oh, yeah. Party. He said, like, and she's she like, like, yeah, I read that. Like weed. I am weed. <laughs> like, I am weed. And then he disappeared in a club, club like a vapor of smoke. And, he, and then he, like, just completely ghosted her. And she's like, I gotta find out more. I feel like I was, like, watch, reading this. I was like, why does this feel like Drew? I just don't understand. I'm also drugs. I'm also being kind of I, I think that's cool, but um but speaking of cool and things and drugs, uh we have a great movie that we picked for tonight. Um you can hear me okay. I know I'm like leaning back, but that's only because I am very tired and don't know how to place my body in space. But we mm -hmm. are doing uh, another episode of the Ming Golden Age of Cinema Bias. Nice, right? I like I really like the way that sounds. Uh, of the mm -hmm. movies of James Mangold, um, we have started. We started with Kate and Leopold for some reason. Then we moved to he that was my decision. I just don't remember why. Then we moved back to Heavy, which was his uh, debut film. Then we did Copland last week, which I loved. And now this week we're on to his most and I think to date most feminist movie or female centric movie or movie where there is a female character who gets more than ten lines. I would say that. Yes. Now, I, I do think it's something really important to mention. A female-centered movie does not mean a feminist movie, and a movie can be feminist, while not always including a ton of women, female characters. So that's kind of an interesting right. list. Would, would you say this is not a feminist film? I definitely do think it's a feminist film, uh, but I don't think it's a movie that's focused on women's rights or or anything like that. But it's it's a it's obviously, it's just more about women female characters being taken seriously and they're written accordingly um the way they're presented on film the way are they are the characters the the actors everyone involved they take their individually these characters very seriously and i think it shows there's a lot of respect from the director and actors given to the story which i think is pretty important considering it is a biopic at a very weird time, not obviously not only in America, but for just oh, this weird transitioning period for young women, especially. Yes. Almost like there was a feminist movie going on at the time. <laughs> almost. Almost like the, like the pill had just been invented and women were getting straight up diagnosed as bipolar and borderline personality disorder, even though they, they were just like reacting to the time. Now, this woman did have borderline personality disorder. We'll get into it. We'll get into the whole mental health aspect and what this movie is trying to say. I do agree with you. Not all movies about women are feminist movies. Just look at Showgirls. Um, but or one, The Quiet Man. The Quiet Man, right. Uh, but this one happens, I think, to be a pretty big feminist statement, especially considering his other body of work is pretty male-centric. Um, but before we do that, Alex, what what you were a big fan of this movie. You're a big fan and a big fan of the book. Before you knew about it, like what what sort of was your impression of what this story was about? I've always known about this movie. I knew of this movie before, like I ever saw it. <laughs> I remember having conversations with my mom when I was like ten years old, and this movie. I can't remember when it came out in theaters. I think it was like ninety eight, ninety nine, sometime around that time. And my mom was like, Alex. At some point in your life, you're going to need to see this movie and you're going to have to read this book because it's important for you as a, as a young woman and it's important for you to 
be able to understand the importance of recognizing your feelings, but also acknowledging feelings in others. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> my, mom had, my mom had a lot of very big opinions when it came to watching certain movies. Some movies she was like, whatever about it. Like, it's in Sounds of the Lambs. Important. Very important. Like, Sounds of the Lambs were the, the, the Mac household growing up. <laughs> Yeah, this movie, American Psycho, she was like important for women. Mm -hmm. That one, um, it is. Um, she like I she presented it to me, being like, "This is a feminist film." Before it I understood it, it was a feminist film, it is definitely taking a very misogynistic text and turning it into a feminist film. I believe that, but that's also a film mm -hmm. that does not have that many women in it and still manages to be feminist. I do agree with mm -hmm. that statement. I think that's mostly. I think it's, it's the director because of the director. Mary, Mary Heron? Yeah. Heron? Um, or something? Her Heron? H-E-R-R-O-N. Heron? H -E -R -R -O -N. Heron? It's like the, is she related to the chick who did Loki? Because her name's Kate Heron, isn't it? Maybe it's spelled differently. Mm -hmm. I, I know it's different. Know. I remember looking it up thinking it could possibly be the same, mm -hmm. and it wasn't. <laughs> I was very distressed <laughs> sad about that. Um, but, yeah. yeah. So I saw very this movie in, I believe, high school. This movie came out right before Y. No, not before Y. What year did this movie come out? I'm just, I want to put it right before. It was late video. 90s. Let me double check. I want to say like late 90s, maybe even 2000 on the dot. 99. Oh, the year of movies. 99, guys, was the year for movies. That was the movie. That was the year every single movie came out, if I remember correctly. Every movie came out in 1999, just full stop. It was the year of American Beauty. It was the year of The Sixth Sense. It was the year of every other Matrix. movie. Matrix. The Matrix, uh, every movie that's ever existed or will exist came out technically in 1999, <laughs> including this one. Um, and it's funny because it is both an anachronistic film and that like it was now made almost, what, 20, almost 20 years ago? Almost mm -hmm. uh, like, yeah, it was like almost 20 years ago. Over or, 20 years ago. Over, over 20 years ago. Jesus, I'm bad at math. math. Over 20 <laughs> years ago, almost 30 years ago, uh, like 25 years ago, let's say, because I can't do math. But it's talking about a time period that's even older than that, which is the seventies. Um, so it mm -hmm. kind of has this double layer of being like, if you didn't know watching this, that this wasn't just made in the seventies, you'd probably believe that this is just a, this is like the one flew over the cuckoo's nest for ladies, the chick flick version of one flew over the cuckoo's nest. But of course it's so much more than that. And it, no I, I actually read several, I was reading a bunch of reviews talking about initial reactions to that movie. And I'll, I actually heard quite a few comparisons to One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest and saying it's a female version of it. And that comparison really kind of pisses me off. <laughs> it's like, it, just because like, um, I, I remember the advertising for like Booksmart was like, it's a chick version of Superbad. And like, you're really downplaying <laughs> this um, and trying to, uh, you're trying to make it something that it's not. It, yeah, I mean, like, I, I guess how I get how I see like, and I, I agree with you. I totally agree with you on this. I'm not trying to play devil's advocate, but I do see how both this and Booksmart invite those comparisons, maybe unintentionally. Like you said, the book came first before uh, before the movie did. But like, and this is again based on someone's personal experience, as was Ken Kesey's. But they're both sentimental institution and both concerned like a protagonist trying to like sort of get out and befriending everyone else in the ward. Whereas Booksmart and Superbad are both about like the last days of high school, like as you and your friend are about. One is about sexual assault. One is about just friendship. Which one's about sexual assault? Superbad. What happens in Superbad? It's sexual assault. He literally is like, he's, he's, he, it's like in the trailer. He's like, 
um, Jonah Hill's character is like, hey, we can be those guys where we can trick them into getting drunk. And then we can be the ones that the after when they pass out that they have sex with. But they didn't and do we're that. The and he talks about how he, he tries to trick. He wanted to trick Emma Stone's character into like getting her completely trashed to sleep with him intentionally. We got there and, and also they didn't have sex. It's not good. It's definitely not, I like, mean, it's definitely not great, but it's definitely, um, I would say that like, I don't think the history or that the movie is trying to be like Jonah Hill had the right idea there. Doesn't she like barf or get her period on him or something? Something really funny. She, yeah, she is. Or yeah, she does get her period on him. But the, it's true. He's not played out to be a, uh, a good guy. Sure. But the, the story that's aspect of the story is played for laughs and we're not supposed to take him seriously or we're not supposed to take the assault seriously and even emma stone's character by the end she's like oh you still got a shot i could totally get drunk and accidentally sleep with you yeah i mean that's oh. a whole other conversation but like yeah i guess yeah. if it's during the daytime and she's sober and she's saying she would have consented then it's not quite assault but very I, get your point. I get your point that that's his intention but this book, uh, you know, Ken Casey's, I was just actually just writing my uh, old mentor a big long letter about Midnight Mass because she asked me to just send her a letter about Bev from Midnight Mass. And I was writing about how, you know, the Nurse Ratchet sort of comparison, the Dolores Umbridge's, the Bev Keens, they sort of mm -hmm. get this like, you know, the more evil than Voldemort and people like hate them more than they hate like people yes. who like in characters and stories who are like genocidal maniacs because they're specifically, I think, women characters and I, I think this movie does a, a really good job of portraying Angelina Jolie's character in like a very in a lot more nuance of like of course she's very different than that mm -hmm. but like Whoopi Goldberg isn't that like there's no real villain of this film just a bunch of really I, broken people I, I do kind of disagree with you on the first part of your statement just because I think that they're so hated it's because they're not only are they not like megalomaniac genocidal terrorists like Voldemort and things like that obviously but they are incredibly they're characters that feel real everyone knows a character a person a real life person or at least has interacted to some extent with someone like Dolores Umbridge who is racist um yeah I mean the problem is or some like or much people talk about them, like, like, or Bev uh Beverly from Midnight Mass where yeah. they they're much more intentional on how they try to hurt you. I Versus Lord, that, Lord Mark, he's like, whatever. I think Lord Voldemort uh, is way more intentional about how he tries to hurt people than Dolores Umbridge, who is. I think yeah, it's just lawful evil. But mm -hmm. I think the bigger point is like when people talk about her, like I was, I'm on a couple of Harry Potter forums. And again, that's getting a little off topic, mm -hmm. but that's what we do here on Cinema Bias. <laughs> Guys, by the way, make sure to donate streamlabs.com backslash video group. Um, it's because like I was on these Harry Potter forums and I think this was actually something I argued your side of Alex very recently. Mm -hmm. And then Eric had to be like, no, I think people are really sexist when it comes to Dolores. I think it was Eric who said it was like, mm -hmm. people are really sexist when it comes to her. And I was like, no, they're not. And then I saw like a Harry Potter it's meme on like some Facebook group where it was like, Voldemort like deserved to die. And like, so-and-so mm -hmm. deserved to like rot in hell. Oh, yeah. Dolores Umbridge deserved to get raped. And I was like, wait, what? Jesus. Like, that, that's that's, like, pretty, that's pretty intense. Yeah, but like that kind of thing where it's like these uppity Puritan women who like these, you know, a word for them is like sexless. Like they've never gotten a good lay in their life. Like that's like the, the yeah, that's the type of a woman of a certain age who is strident mm -hmm. in a certain way and self-sufficient and like, you mm -hmm. know, varied by the books. I mean, yes, they are portrayed like almost like Nazi like vigilance, but they are also like, 
I think it would be much different if like say Jeff C. Clemens was playing that role. Mm -hmm. But that's neither here nor there because I don't think that that's really applicable here. I think he's doing something a lot more nuanced and subtle. Even the psychiatrists in these movies who are played by Jeffrey Tambor, I believe. And of course, Whoopi Goldberg being the nurse um, and um, that British woman. Was that Jeffrey Tambor or am I crazy? Oh, shoot. Um, she, I know she's won an Oscar. I feel like that's a, that is a trivia question in the making. How many Oscar winning act? How many Oscar winning performers are in this movie? Mm. Oh, let's see. Has Whoopi ever won? I don't know if Whoopi's ever won. Um, so I'm gonna say like she Winona. I don't know if Winona's ever won. So it's just she's been nominated. Be, she's been nominated, right? But you said winner, right? So like, mm -hmm. mm, Whoopi won. Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Um, Jared Leto and and Angelina, as far as I can tell, unless Whoopi won something, one. I can't remember. Missing one. Who's the psychiatrist, Doctor Wick? I don't know who is it. Vanessa Redgrave. That's who it is. There we go. I was like, is, is it, I was like, is it that woman that, that is dating Sarah Paulson from Two and a Half Men? But no, it's Vanessa Redgrave. Holy shit, she looked young. Really great in this. I mean, there's such a tendency when you tell stories about being inside a psych ward or being like on the floor of a mental facility to like demonize the professionals, right? Because it's all about like how they're keeping you closed in and like it's a very like almost mm -hmm. uh, Dickensian version of it. But it's weird to like look back on it and be like, that was probably very much ideal compared to what we have for mental health facilities now, which is nothing, which mm -hmm. is like just a part of a floor of a hospital where people are all lumped together. Like that was at least a private institution. Yes, of course, like, you know, whoever could afford it. But I don't know, like the, the issue of mental health in America and like how we deal with it. I'm not sure if it's gotten any better since 1970, whatever, or 1960, whatever. Yeah, it's. I, I, I obviously I, I don't personally uh, do not have any kind of I do not suffer from some from personally suffer from any kind of mental illnesses or anything personally, and I and no one in my immediate family does. However, I have had friends here and there that have suffered from various different things unfortunately whether it be bipolar depression clinical depression or ocd unfortunately and um i think a lot of people are very lackadaisical about ocd and people would say oh i'm just kind of ocd about something like no that's not you shouldn't say that that's really doing away with what ocd really is and how troubling and fixating it can be in a very awful way so with that being said, I I do think it's really nice in these in this movie how I I don't remember all that much outside of like one small conversation surrounding really identifying which character has which illness per se, um, but outside of uh, Lisa Rose's character as well as Susanna, obviously. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Go ahead. But I. I'm very grateful there is quite a diverse <laughs> set of illnesses that people can find ways to identify with and sympathize with as well. Because I don't want 10, 10 Lisa Rose <laughs> in one place. That's too much. Yeah. Well, look, I, I had to commit uh, someone very close to me once to a psychiatric facility, like someone in my family in the psychiatric facility for what it turned out to be like by uh, sort of borderline personality disorder, which I didn't really understand at the time, except for 
Carol interrupted. And that was like mm -hmm. the only context I had because I was like, kept, I kept, and to this day, still accidentally like call it bipolar because they sound a lot alike. Um, mm -hmm. But they're very, very different. Borderline is marked by, uh, you know, a tendency to do black and white thinking, which sounds like it would be bipolar, but like, no. Black and white thinking, catastrophizing, sort of putting people into like these boxes and having like these, um, you know, sort of in, intense mood shifts, which again, sound like something that something called bipolar would be. So I really had struggle uh, understanding what that was and like understanding the experience of somebody going through that. Um, and like what it was like to just actually like leave somebody in a facility that wasn't as nice as the one that I'd seen in the movies. Um, mm -hmm. But it is manageable. And the author of this book like survived and survived her experience. You know what, when, when I watched this movie when I was a kid, I remember thinking, the whole point was that there wasn't anything wrong with her. Like that there were like, she tried to hurt herself, but that's because like she was having this affair with the teacher and like everyone at 17 kind of does that, goes to that phase. And like, I thought they were just kind of trying to label her because this was a time period that was not, you know, very comfortable with the ways that women were becoming more promiscuous and more like open about mm -hmm. sex because of the pill. And a lot of stuff was going on in Vietnam and the whole country was like freaking yes. out. So like, it seemed to me like this was more like about society being crazy and putting her away for a year where she had to contend with all these actually mentally ill people. Um, and while I still think some of that is true, I don't know if I really believe that that woman should have been kept away. Like if that if those resources wouldn't have been better served towards somebody who was more of a threat to society and uh, themselves as she was. Um, mm -hmm. I do think it serves like a, like a pretty sobering purpose and a really good portrayal of a mental illness that we don't really hear that much about. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I absolutely agree. There's, there's, as I remember watching it for the first time in like middle school or early high school around there. And yeah. I would be like, it's, it's society almost punishing these women that don't fit into what society considers the norm, especially with Susanna's character, uh, the main character played by Winona Ryder, where she's sent away, like you said, for her promiscuous, quote unquote, promiscuous. Well, she's she about Lionel, so technically, yeah, but she, yeah. yeah, and she, and she did uh, have a suicide attempt by taking all that Tylenol and drinking a bunch of vodka subsequently, but also. I watching this for the first time after a very after several years, and also like by now I've read the book and everything. I I don't see her as someone that has like some kind of overt illness. Not like not or, something that's more crazy. like yeah. It's just more like she has a lot of issues that she's trying to battle in, internally, and she doesn't know how to cope with that. She doesn't know how to. Um, heal and come through that because if she had not honestly if she had not gone to the the ward i wonder if she, maybe she would have committed tried committing suicide again I, I honestly don't i think she would have been fine i think that this we have a real thing in this country about like not being able to tell and not just this country i guess everywhere where it's just like mm -hmm. we just now started to recognize that mood disorders are different than like mental illnesses that are yeah. um like like hallucinations and schizophrenia yeah. and and, and things that are involved like um, psychosis mm -hmm. like are different from things that are literally a chemical imbalance that changes mm -hmm. the way your mood is. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of stigma around it and a lot of like, oh, stop being bipolar, stop acting like a you know, schizo, stop being OCD, stop it's being ADHD. Voice. You know, it's just sort of like the labels that we understand and put things on. But, yeah. you know, 
besides the fact that this is a story about a, a privileged white girl and all her friends uh, who are also white living on the ward where there is one black uh, attendee who they they're kind of constantly uh, doing black voice at in this very uncomfortable there's, way. Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, it's mentioned a few times to purposely to antagonize her. Yep. And but like, it's after they try to antagonize her after she, when they're being when when they're being punished, and that's like the only way they know they can attack her. Still There's not cool. Literally, no other way. Still not cool though. Like they talk about like cooking bales of cotton and stuff like that, and it's just literally uh super offensive. And she kind of like would be. I love her portrayal in this, and I think she does a really yeah. strong performance. But it does Wonderful. kind of like remind me of like those magical Negro character that just like is in movies around this time period, like, you know, Legend of Bagger Vance and stuff where it's just sort of like, there's one person of color in this movie and she's there to solve every white girl's problem. And uh, it's, mm -hmm. I think she's given a little bit more depth and range than the other psychiatrists, but she's also supposed to be like the emotional crux of this, uh, of like her moral compass, I think, in a way that I was like, yeah, did that really happen? I don't, I don't think that's like who you bonded with on the ward if you did that to her. I don't know. I don't know. It's, I, I do like having her there. I like her character. I think she's, uh, I do think that it could have been played with, with another actress. I, I, I don't know who, I, I'm really actually kind of curious who they could have possibly Oh, she's great in the role. And it, I believe it was, a, yeah. I think in real life, it was a black orderly that she did bond with. I'm just saying that like the role that she's sort of cast in is sort of like, I remember the trailers of this for this movie were talking about like, it was Angelina Jolie with the thing against her like neck being like, I'm aorta. A aorta. And she's like, your aorta is down there. Um, it's like in your chest. Yeah. Um, I just feel like in a ward where like there are people that are, you know, committing suicide and violent and crazy, like crazy, like, like the way Angelina Jolie is like a uh, uh, sociopathic almost. Mm -hmm. um, I think that like this woman had better things to do than like, she's just the orderly. She's not the psychiatrist than like sit around and talk to an owner writer about how she needs to write more to get her feelings out. I don't mm -hmm. know. Maybe that's just me. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I really don't know. It's, I, I do think about in this terms of this movie if you are there are several things that that she brought mm -hmm. to light for Wyona's character which I do think is important regarding if you decide mm -hmm. to that you don't want to get better or let alone try to get better mm -hmm. and you want to be a lifer okay that's totally fine good for you whatever doesn't matter to me at the end of the day it's your life well, like, what does that mean in that context? Like, this is this makes for a good story beat, but like, what does that actually mean? Like, what did that actually mean to her back then? Because like, there was like we said, like, she's borderline personality disorder. She's not crazy. She's like regularly. She's got a mood regulation disorder. So I guess it was just sort of like her decision to talk to the psychiatrist and to open up about her like mental health issues. I mean, that's how it's played in the movie. But I'm not sure if that's actually the the thing that like would keep her in a mental institution or not, right? It's like. I think it's just acknowledging that there is something wrong. I think that's yeah. that's the big part. Insisting that and not in, insist there because there are some characters like Lisa in this movie that insist they have nothing wrong with them. They are perfect all the time, and everyone else is the problem. 
You know but, what? Clearly, but clearly, such a good performance in this. Is that Angelina's character? She's yes. doing so good in this. Yeah, you know what she, she's very reminiscent of? Perfect. She reminds me a lot of Brad Pitt from 12 Monkeys. Mm -hmm. Like a lot, she's like basically doing Brad Pitt in 12 Monkeys and it's a fantastically like amazing, I think I forgot how good she was in this and like how transformative like it was for her. Uh, Cause she's, this this role is so cool and it's it's so well done. It's, uh, this movie was uh, one of the big movies over the last few years when it first, prior to came out, when it was a uh, wine writer, she actually bought the rights to film rights to the book. The actress, not like a studio or a writer or a director or anything. The actress, she has been prior to the movie being made. She has been trying. She was she bought the rights when she was like in her early, uh, early twenties, and she bought the rights herself. But she tried making it happen for like seven or eight years before it finally yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah, she's a, little, she's a little bit older in this movie. I mean, she looks great. One on a freaking writer, she's but like I have no idea how old she actually is in this movie. She's supposed to be playing a high schooler or somebody who's just well, recently yeah, graduated. He's like nineteen twenty by the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I feel like she's a little bit older. She just looks great. Angelina looks terrible and amazing at the same time. She looks like a demon, which is kind of what she is. Um, you totally get the sense of like what kind of person. Like talk about like somebody like a character trope, like a, a Bev or a, a Nurse Ratchet, like. The manic pixie dream girl who's actually dangerous uh, trope, like is <laughs> oh my gosh, like girl. a dangerous manic pixie dream girl, yeah, like a manic pixie night terror, as I call them, like the yeah. what I am basically, like yeah. the very like charming, talkative, but like absolutely nuts and has no empathy and just just gonna like get you to go along with their schemes, but doesn't actually like care about you. That person. She plays that awesome. so well. Incredibly charismatic. You want them to like you. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, she. Yeah, you you really want her to like. She's just an. She's a person that is a leader. She is a person that everyone wants to be around because in the moment she can make you feel amazing. She's a cult leader in the making. Yeah. <laughs> There's a cruelty to her that you see very early on. Like, I mean, just yeah. when the chick with the chicken stuff, like as a foreshadowing for Brittany Murphy's character, who, by the way, mm -hmm. God, that hits a lot different now than when I saw yes. in high school. Oh, and she also like knowing, knowing that she's uh, after she's passed. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's so way harder now to watch that, but like, it's also like her savageness towards the other people in the facility. And then what she does at the end, like, you know, when she realizes Winona's going to be leaving, and sort of gangs everyone up against her. It's it's poignant in a way that I don't think you get if you're not actually a chick and like didn't mm -hmm. grow up with these formative experiences of what it's like to be sort of bullied, but like bullied by a cool girl, which is like a totally different experience, which is like, you know, like yeah. exposed, uh, like ridiculed in a certain way that involves like a lot of eyes on you. Like it, it's a very mm -hmm. like cruel thing to do. And what's what you feel from uh, Angelina Jolie's character is that she's, you feel both like that you hate her for doing this and that she's a total psychopath. At the same time, like you understand like how hurt she is that, that uh, Winona's going to be leaving and getting better and she's not. I think that's one of the, actually one of the big reasons why she is so great. Her character is so interesting is because you don't really know her origin story compared yeah, to Polly. Yeah. Compared to Polly who's burned or, Elizabeth um, Moss, by the way, great role. Elizabeth Moss's character, yes, it's one of her first roles, actually. Yeah. And 
but we, we we get like we get some background of a lot of these characters, but not Lisa. We just hear prior to her talking, we just know of her. We know people are like, oh my gosh, she's coming. Oh my gosh, she's back, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, hey, let's go all talk to Lisa. <laughs> Everyone is some, some parental sexual assault, like in her past, the way she sort of she, that that seems to that's what it read to me. Like she was definitely. Uh, assaulted by probably her father or stepfather or something. And um, that's why she was particularly so cool yeah, to bring Yeah, it also story. reminds me, like, I was like, I don't know. I can't remember what happened in the book, but, like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, she definitely got molested and then stabbed him or something. Like, she's just, I, like, that kind of thing where it's, like, Harley Quinn almost. Okay, well, it's, from what I remember in the book, I don't remember so much about, I don't know her origin story. I don't remember her character so much about, like, prior to her coming to the mental institution. But I do remember her ending. And oh, me too, me too. Yeah, it's good. And it's a good I thought her ending was so interesting. Because... So tell, them, tell them what happens at the end of the book. Yeah. Okay, guys, if you've not read the book, get ready, because it's going to fuck you up. Okay. Uh, Susanna and Lisa, Winona writers, and Angelina Jolie's character, obviously, they run into each other in New York City. Susanna now is a published author, Mm -hmm. uh, and Lisa, she, they meet at, they they just run into each other at the park or something like that, and she actually has a son, and he's like four years old, and she's happy. It's not going to fuck you up. It's going to do the opposite of fuck you up. It's a happy ending. Quote unquote normal. And and she's just like, yeah, I I had that I had my son. Some things happened. I worked through it. And having a son just kind of made me realize that I it's not about me. I don't need to be this way. And I should and I should have changed a long time ago. And suddenly Susanna's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what happened to you? You're a parent now. Ew. Yeah. How could you be so selfish? And that was and Susanna. Her mindset was like her being a mom, choosing to be a, and have being a parent and ch- choosing this route, this quote unquote conventional life. By made her not so much lesser than, but made her less interesting to her. Yeah. Unless yeah, yeah. and also she got like, and she thinks the woman was like beyond repair, like irresponsible of her, specifically. She's like, like she's gonna fuck like, up a child. Like you, you, you're got, you've gotten worse. Yeah. And sometimes it's just like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's it's really sad. It's a lot of projection, projection, especially because you're reading from, from her point of view. So like, yeah. you know, but like this, I I like to think that that lady went on to live a happy life and was just like, fuck that chick. I got over it. Yeah. Um, because again, like we don't. The, the difference between someone like Lisa and someone like Angelina Jolie's character, it feels like there's a gulf of difference just between the two of them, let alone between the two of them and somebody who's like in a stage of like arrested baby, babyness, like uh, Elizabeth Moss's or Brittany Murphy's character, where they're like infantile regression almost, or like the girl who's so anorexic that she won't go <laughs> above. Uh, what's the weight? My sister had it memorized at one point, like 76 pounds. 76 pounds. That was the perfect weight. The perfect weight of 76 pounds. I mean, again, like it's hard to say like what we consider to be so awful, like or to be enough of a threat to themselves or society that we would call a hospital or have them, uh, you know, 
institutionalized because it's we don't have these nice facilities anymore where we can send people and like put them away for a while and let them like cool off like we have rehabs if you're if it's a drug thing but we don't really have facilities to take care of uh, mentally ill people and that's maybe for the best because a lot of those places were really fucked up and would take your money and like lock you away forever and made a lot of money off of people just being locked away forever yeah it, it, it was it was just kind of a place to put like your crazy like aunt or something and then just just keep her there just keep her there forever anybody who's like a lesbian or what you know it was, awesome. just, it was they, a lot of these places were god awful but i don't know if they were the better solution was just shutting them all down and giving nowhere for people to go yeah it's it was a different time i am kind of curious though if this movie was not so much not so much remade today because it is a purposely it is a biopic it is a movie that needs to take place in the 60s in order for it to be as relevant as it is in order to bring up a lot of the topics that it does such as like you said racism such as um uh the the pill was just just invented was being dispersed for the first time and promiscuity like what yeah the the idea of promiscuity amongst women things like that but if this movie was remade today it wouldn't be able to not so much remade today but if it took place today and remade Okay. Even if I kind of like that called a well. By the way, the words there we don't separate men and women anymore. So there's that movie, kind of a funny story with Zach Galifianakis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Galifianakis and, and oh shoot, what's her face? Logan Lerman. Is it Logan Lerman? Or am I crazy? I don't. I, yeah, I don't know the main character's name. It's I just remember what's her face from Emma American Roberts. Horror Story a bunch. Emma Roberts. Yeah, she's in it. Uh, I think that's more like the equivalent of like what it's like today. Like you are just Alicia put on the yeah, you're just like put on a, a floor of a hospital and sort of left to your own devices or like chained to a bed. It's not better. I don't think it's any better. I think there's like a lot of times it's way worse. Um, but also like we we just also don't have a healthcare system that would support. I don't know. It's complicated. Like it is, it's hard to watch something nostalgically for like a worse time period in American health, uh, mental health. I think that's that's an important aspect to recognize in this movie. Like you said, they're all women, white women that are that have that whose families put them there with that have the monies to the monies the money to do so. And that is crazy fucking expensive. Especially in the sixties, where in order to in in order to acknowledge that you're putting someone and you're from your family or friend or way is where they were still be considered crazy. It's looked down upon. And even Susanna's parents were like, whoa, we, are, is she going to be home for Thanksgiving or Christmas? Because we have a lot of friends and family that are very concerned. And Susanna was right on the money when she said, they're, they're not concerned about me. They're concerned at how it's going to look if I'm not there. I mean, <laughs> I think was, it's a little bit of both. I think that, you know, that's how they're kind of being portrayed. I'm not sure if that's an exact fair, a fair assessment of like how her parents actually felt. We don't really well, know. Well, they didn't ask afraid. about how she's feeling, if she's doing better. Is there anything we can do to help? Is I mean, they're definitely telling stories about like times that they accidentally like knocked her off the bed and like the mom is like weeping and the dad is angry because it's like, obviously he doesn't think like, like her, he doesn't think that she's like so mentally ill that she can't function outside of society. He thinks she's kind of, like, like what Goldberg eventually calls her, like kind of being an aimless brat about things and like using 
this new diagnosis as an excuse to like avoid what she didn't want to do in the first place, which is grow up and go to college or like find a career, you know, like that. It was mm -hmm. sort of like that thing. She was having like an adult, adult sized temper tantrum. Mm -hmm. um, Cause she was the one girl in her school who didn't apply to college or didn't get into college. And this was sort of like a, you know, like you, there's a criticism that like these, a lot of these places were just like white girl, like respites or respites, you know, like West, just, I'm a Wesley girl. You know, like, yeah, they were just, they were just like places to go cool off. If you like the world became a little too much for you in some respects, uh, in some people's experience and other people's experience, it was way, way worse. Absolutely. Um, there's, but, and also there is something like this. I was where you could pay, uh, uh, a pretty your kids, but there were also situations like I think that this kind of really brings it up. If if cops took you away and they considered you a danger to society to some extent, then they would put you in a place that's less. Nice. Oh, you're saying if you were like if you were deemed mentally like an unfit to stand trial, but like, well, not only that, but if they if if you were just considered, even if you haven't heard oh, anyone, you yeah, yes. were yeah. considered a like a, like a real threat to society yeah. in some case. Well, look, jails were worse. Prisons are worse. That's why people try to cop the insanity plea or, you know, because they, they'd rather be in a mental health facility. The issue is, yeah, I think the only places that are left that are like standalone mental health facilities are like, places for maybe not the, I don't think maybe not even though because I can't think of like a place for the criminally insane anymore I don't even know if we call things that anymore like I don't know what we do with people who are mentally ill to the point that they've murdered someone that's an interesting thing to look into I just know that like somebody like I knew very closely like uh growing up they would just sort of idealize the idea of going to one of these places from Girl Interrupted like specifically yeah. this place and was like oh like I'm doing bad at school or I'm having a hard time and like they would kind of throw like a little fit and like hurt themselves or have something happen to them and go off and do something dangerous. And on the hopes that they could like go to this magical place that would like fix them and they could have these cathartic experiences. Um, mm -hmm. And reality just like turned out to be way different, not just because like those places don't exist anymore. All it takes is just one magical interaction <laughs> to yeah. really fix them on up. Or like a year's worth of freaking craziness. Mm -hmm. Well, I do think, well, this movie, I think is, this movie, when it came out, it, it had a ton of mixed reviews. It was called Mediocre. Really? Yeah, tons of mixed reviews. Even today on Rotten Tomatoes, I feel like it's a horrible site. But I, hey, that's my it, it, what, I, I do, what I do think is interesting about Rotten Tomatoes is that it has reviews from, years ago which i think is important and i mean they have movies on citizen kane and that movie is technically i don't know if it's number one or number two the best rated or something uh, like that. It, it was it fell beneath paddington too because somebody gave it a bad review but then someone gave paddington two a bad review so now they're equal again Dick at 99 love paddington too i know but, some, some asshole decided to come out because he saw paddington two was ahead and literally wrote like a four years late review to paddington two saying that Ben Winshaw's voice sounded like an indie rocker on ketamine, which I always thought was like a very weird description of a bear's voice, but go off queen. <laughs> the, just kind of mentioned, it had a lot of good reviews in terms of Angelina Jolie, obviously, but for example, 
The New York Times wrote, Girl Interrupted is a small, intensive period piece with hard-headed, tough love attitude towards lazy, self-indulgent little girls flirting with madness. You can drive yourself crazy or you can get over it. The choice is yours. Who um, that? A dude? Uh, Stephen Holden for the New York yeah. Times. Guess what? Yeah. <laughs> um, also, later on from the BBC, uh, Girl Interrupted is a decent adaptation of the memoir for, uh, the memoir of its period, neatened up and polished for an audience with more with, that is more familiar with gloss than grit. I mean, it's interesting. I didn't think people, I thought people really liked this movie. I didn't think that people consider it saccharine uh, particularly, but I could, I mean, it's, it's pretty gritty. Like it doesn't show this place to be like, it's not, this is not a Ron Howard movie, although there are elements of like Ron Howard-ish things in it. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't say that this is like a particularly like feel good film. Like people die straight up in this movie. Uh, Jared Leto shows up, disappears because he doesn't want to go to Vietnam. We never see his ass again. He um, goes to, I feel, uh, yeah, he goes to Canada. Blame Canada. Well, um, he was, I mean, he was drafted and so he didn't. And uh, he he has dad his dad's approval. Clearly, he's the one that gave him money. You don't give your son something like that without. It's literally a death sentence to be sent to Vietnam. Yeah, I would. I, I yeah, would, I would, I would, like, I would send him off too. I mean, Jesus, you would think any parent would send their kid like away rather than like to Vietnam, right? Mm -hmm. They could help it. Um, oh, if they were like, if they hadn't signed up and enlisted, and they and stuff was finally coming out about the war the way that they did, like in on like TV for the very first time, we were able to see war on television and see what like the people were going through. And people's minds start really changing about how they felt about their kid being there. Well, there's that's I feel like that's an entire conversation. It, it's not specific to this movie, but obviously, not only is it the first. Definitely what? in the backdrop. I said it's definitely in the backdrop of this movie. Yeah, I mean, it is like referenced a little bit, but I mean, it's not. It, it's more about their reaction to the situation, being like, "Oh yeah, there's a lot of tension. Oh, oh yeah, because oh, yeah, I think a lot of horrible things going on, but it's not focused on." Well, I think that itself is can be its own kind of damning criticism because, like, yeah, when people say these crazy like white girls who are just like playing pretend with the madness while like overseas, like their contemporaries, like boys their age are just getting blown to smithereens and will become like Vietnam vets with like severe PTSD. There is like a kind of damning indictment for like who got the mental health access and care, um, mm -hmm. you know, during this time period and afterwards. But there's a, well, obviously there's, there was and still is pretty often a huge, criticism of men and mental illness because men and mental illness is are, are just not taken seriously comparatively yeah. but also like we, we just vilified the guys who went to vietnam even though they didn't have a choice in going to vietnam you know like they were all drafted many of they them. weren't celebrated when they came back no they were treated a like lot of them horribly suffered horribly not only through psd and having horrible medical issues of course but they weren't celebrated and thanked for their valor or yeah. their sacrifice compared to previous wars and not to mention it's the first war very large war that we lost rather publicly and as a society we didn't know how to deal with it yeah so we started another like one. previously yeah. We started another one, and guess what? Didn't do great on that one either. 
Oh. Uh, not that they've not had a great track record with track record with the wars. I don't think since like what Crimea, uh, Korea, or probably World War II. I think is the last one we we're like super proud of our involvement with. Which hey might be a sign of something, but who knows? That's a whole conversation. Yeah, it's it's awful. Um, but yeah, they. I, I think mental illness and men in particular is for a long time a lot of the the field really looked not only looked down upon men that were vocal about their feelings, but they're not they're taught they're told to hold in their feelings. They're told it, it's a, it's womanly, it's feminine to share your feelings. Mm-hmm. And not only that, it's it just wasn't something that you should even acknowledge, let alone fix. Which is why you hired Jared Leto to play your dude. Because if you want someone to sort of give you the idea of a feeling without actually having to delve into it, get your get post my so-called fakest looking beard I have ever seen. Who plays the um orderly that she hopes up with? That guy was super freaking familiar like looking. I was like, is that John? Let me find out. Let me find out. And that was Jeffrey Tambor. It's just a very overweight Jeffrey Tambor. Holy crap. Mm Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Um the yeah the guy the orderly okay so hold on i saw mary kate place i love her she was in this um uh, uh, yeah travis fine okay so this guy oh forgot misha collins was in it misha collins where um i remember when they're at the party they've escaped from the from the ward and they're at the party where lisa um, like flirts with a guy. She's like, "Hey, let me take you back to the room," kind of thing. And she ends up stealing his wallet. And me- meanwhile, Misha Collins is like, "Hey, hey, you want to do want to sexy stuff?" <laughs> and she's like, "No, I'm like a crazy girl. Like you don't even know I'm crazy." And he's like, "Sure, okay." And she's like, "No, really, I am crazy." Like he's like, "Whoa, like in like in a oh, hospital." Oh, I had a friend that got purple people. <laughs> for a second, I thought you were trying to say Misha Barton, and I was like. Oh, she's not in this movie. She would have been a kid. Doesn't matter. Sure. Mind, she was in. She was in the Sixth Sense, so I knew she was too young to be yeah. in this movie. Very um, much a child. Misha Collins. I thought that was Jordan Padalecki just being a time traveler. Mm. God, he looks yeah, so Misha different. Collins from Supernatural. Oh yeah, that's him. Yeah, that guy. Um, it is. Wait, <laughs> this guy is also from Supernatural. That is nuts. I literally got him confused with the other dude. In Supernatural. He, no, he's like one of the. Yeah, he plays like the wow. angel. Yeah, wow. he's like he, he no, plays Catskill from. Wow, that's nuts! Because I literally watched my first episode of Supernatural the other day and didn't realize that it was this dude from Supernatural and not the <laughs> other dude from Supernatural. He's funny. I like his. I mean, I watched the one episode where they go into reality, so like I liked him in that episode. They go well, into the real world. well, I mean, speaking of Misha Collins, I mean Jared Leto. This movie was such a huge ensemble at the time. It was hugely competitive to get into this and be involved in this movie, no matter how small the people, everyone, Claire Danes, Courtney Love, um, Reese Witherspoon. Oh, yeah? Um, a tons of big actresses and emer- Rose McGowan um, actresses. Lily Sobieski, she was actually supposed to be in Polly's um, Polly's role, but she ended up dropping out like weeks ahead of time because of scheduling complex. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone wanted to be part of this movie in particular, just because it was, everyone was talking about how important it was 
James Mangold is directing. He's coming hot off of Heavy. That's the reason why Rona Ryder uh, selected him. She saw uh, she saw Heavy and she's like, "That's the guy for my movie." Wait, wait. She saw Heavy and that she decided she that. Not heavy. like she saw Copland she, and she decided she, that. She has said several several times in interviews, I saw the movie Heavy and I knew he was the right one for this movie. That's so weird because I would not think that Heavy was like going to lead to this. Like it, this, that does not track for me, but okay, I guess. Uh, heavy, like really? Okay. Yep. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's interesting. Like I have so much to say about the, the topics of this uh why does she not why does Lily not get involved with more film work i actually don't know i feel like she just she kind of just didn't want to i i think yeah well i very popular for a while mm -hmm. a lot she's, of a certain age and like they would rather not do that in front of the camera like yeah and she's like hey i'm i'm content to do whatever whatever she's doing have kids to have life lay back on her glass house money uh whatever she feels like Mm -hmm. I also like probably asking even in. I can only think of Glass House right now. Uh, I, I um, I remember her like I remember the first Lily Sobieski movie that I saw. I think was Never, Never Been, Been Kid. Kid. Yeah, I was gonna say that's the only one that's coming to mind right now. She got like I liked her vibe, like that kind of deep voiced, like cool girl thing. I I always wish I could have had a deeper voice, but I don't. Oh my gosh, she still makes movies sometimes. Really interesting. I mean, she was. I mean, she. I mean, she does TV. She did. Uh, yeah, she did a TV movie in Turkey. Okay, that's funky. And that was like two, if there only a few. That was for 2018. Mm -hmm. um, but she was um, like from like over a decade ago. She did like Public Enemies with Johnny Depp. Kids, American Psycho, The Last Days of Disco. Uh, what's funny is I don't remember. Really, wait, wait, I don't remember really Sylvieski in any of those movies. But Kids, American Psycho, and The Last Days of Disco. He was no, she was not in. She was not in Kids. And, and she wasn't in Your, so American Psycho. Kids You're was thinking Yeah, seven Yeah, different than. Um, she was in American Psycho. She was, however, in, in American Psycho. She, yeah, she is in American Psycho. She's the assistant. No, that's Chloe Sevigny again. That's what I said. No, that's what I'm saying. Chloe oh, Sevigny. Oh, no. sorry, sorry. I thought you said Lee Sobieski wasn't that. Yeah. We played the assistant. No, no, no. Um, that was my bad. Um, she was also. Oh shoot! Oh shoot! Oh shoot! She was an eyelash um, Correct. Good job, oh, guys. No, I'm trying to remember. Uh, she was in that Stanley Kubrick movie, Eyes Wide Shut. Remember? Yep, right there on the screen. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. Sorry, y'all. Sorry, William. I apologize. I totally guys. did not read that. We, we do uh, want to, I do want to mention where Streamlabs are open. So if you think of any more Lily Sobieski rules, please send in a donation over at streamlabs.com backslash video drew and any amount will trigger the schmobot to just, or whatever bot, the non-schmobot to just uh, say your thing out loud. So go ahead and go over and do that. Um, let's see. She oh, disappeared. What's she done recently? Apparently a Turkish movie, uh, a Turkish TV movie. When yeah, she, she did that in 2018. Yeah, I mean, look, I feel like after 2016, you can't blame anyone for not doing anything anymore. Like that's the last time around the last time I was employed full time. And Merit was that saying? That was the movie. I don't like that. I don't like whatever that says because it's very much like the word America and she's wearing a um American flag outfit. 
um, 1970s of Turkey, an American girl comes to Turkey with the middle in the middle of a fight going for imperialism. She falls in love with the Turkish man, even though they're in love, they find themselves between cultural conflicts. It's a romance dramedy. Oh, no. Oh, no. Or oh, good. I can't tell. How am I supposed to feel about this chat? You tell me. I'm very well, I know. I know she's, I, I thought she spoke several languages. So I wonder if that's like one of the big things where like she is like Turkish and therefore she lives there for a good chunk of the year or something. I don't know. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for yawning this over. Um, I think I confused her for Jewel. The singer Jewel. The, the Jewel professional guy. yodeler. Yeah, you were meant for me and I was meant for you. Yeah, did dreams last for so long. She did um international competitive yodeling. There, Jewel? Like, what? Jewel? Yeah. The woman? Yeah. Well, girl. Girl, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you today. I'm gonna oh, whatever girl. happened to Jewel. Oh, oh hey, she's, really, she's a country singer now. I've seen Gone in 60 Seconds with Angelina, which is basically a Fast and Furious prequel. John Lestrina, you gotta respect John Lestrina. Always coming in, finding a way to make this a Fast and Furious conversation. Thank you, Nathan, John. Yeah, um, Gone in 60 Seconds is a movie I have not seen, but I, the name of the car in it is like Lucy? Is it Lucy or like Leslie? Maybe Leslie? I don't know. But she she did in like the early mid two thousands, and uh, she gets it on with or almost gets it on with Nick Cage in a car. And they talk about how sexy they definitely gets it on. I don't think this was a tease. I think they definitely get it on in the car. The car. No, in the in the movie they don't. In in, in the movie really? I don't think they do. It's because they're in the, literally in the middle of the heist and they're just flirting heavily with each other and they have sex. At that the would never end. stop Dom and Letty from not having sex in a car either. Yeah. I guess. Oh but, yeah. The car is the metaphor for the sex. Now, what did Winona do? I think this was supposed to be, like you said, this was Winona's passion project. And then mm-hmm. this was supposed to be like, I feel like her Oscar. Yeah, she actually had, I wonder if that's something she, to a certain extent, she kind of regrets because um, she had not almost negative, so much negative reviews, but she had a lot of, lukewarm reviews such yeah, as like her big her big break like into compare, like- yeah compared to angelina jolie who completely sparks in every single line um charlotte o'sullivan said from uh, time out film guide mentions it doesn't matter <laughs> every time jolie's off screen the film wilts a little writers should be perfect as the bright spark but her li- her lines are sharp as a knife but there's a gap, however, between what we hear and what we see. Writer's too wide-eyed and cutesy. And when we see her with the nurse Valerie, we only know it's a matter of time before they start hugging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just like not as fun of a role, too. Like, if I was her and I bought the rights, I would have tried to cast myself as the Jolie role. That's clearly the bigger well, maybe she didn't. Role. Maybe she didn't feel comfortable in that role. Or alternatively, maybe she didn't uh she didn't anticipate she didn't think she could have done it justice yeah maybe i mean maybe um i do think that like winona has a range that like could have tapped into this and like maybe you're right maybe she just didn't want to or she felt like this wasn't the right thing from her but like this could have been her vanity project she had the right to do whatever she wanted with it because she owned it uh, you know she bought it to adapt 
Um, so deciding to make James Mangle the director, her choice sounds like, like deciding which role to take her choice. She, I guess maybe she thought that was maybe the more Oscar Beatty role was the, was the lead character. The character. But, but she's just like, I mean, I think it's like pretty evident just from probably reading the script, like who the real meat and potatoes was with this, uh, with this feature. Oh yeah. It's definitely much more subtle. Um, her, her, why don't Raiders character is much more subtle by comparison. She's more reacting than anything versus, and versus Lisa is more about being proactive and doing something at all times, whether they like it or not. Yeah. And she's just like hiding out in the corner, observing. And that's not a bad thing. It's just, and that's, I feel like it's a very necessary character. Um, but it's definitely not a showy for sure. I definitely think it's like a weird thing where it's like, uh, it, it's just, yeah, she's the protagonist, but she's sort of like our, our, our gaze into this world and she's not she, she just doesn't have as much to her like she kind of looks a little bit standing next to an um uh angelina who's just like doing this big big acting choices making these big leaps it's not like winona's doing nothing but she comes off as very like reserved almost like and she's supposed to be the one with like the big emotional disorder but she comes off as very like um internal like you can't really read her like you're getting her expressions via like her internal monologue and what she's writing down on paper, but you're not really getting a ton of it from like how she's emoting. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I think that's actually, I always thought that was like actually part of her character where she has a hard, yeah, I always, it was more like she had a, whereas some people have a hard time reading and recognizing emotions in others. Some people also have a hard time being able to, like show their emotions period because they're trying to they don't they have a hard time recognizing them first yeah yeah i think that's absolutely true that's like or their emotions feel so big that they think that it's like their internal reality is what the external reality of the situation is Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah i mean this these are only uh, trenchant points especially considering that vietnam and during that time period of people getting drafted must have felt as apocalyptic and apocryphal as it does like around right now where like mm-hmm. the world does seem to be ending. Everything's on fire. People are just dying left and right. You don't know what the future holds. And so if you have uh, an unchecked mental or emotional illness, like it's going to sort of validate your pre-existing worldview of like the world being like insane and fucked up getting, and uh, like, hopeless. Increasingly you know? awful. And not only that, Martin Luther King, he it was just shown that he had just died. As well, when she was in, she was at the she ward was the, as well. Yeah. She was in the ward when he died. Yeah. Um, so, Alex, any like final big thoughts on on Girl Interrupted? Overall, I kind just to touch on what we mentioned earlier. I do think this is an important movie. I do think this is incredibly relevant to today. I think men and women are men are definitely going to appreciate it. I think men would appreciate it in very different ways. I think there's a lot of subtle performances. Uh, in relationships, I feel like women would be able to recognize more versus like, I, I won't be like, I can recognize a relationship between siblings, um, having a sibling of my own, but I don't, I, I don't know what it's like to have, to have another sister, <laughs> things like yeah. that. It's just a very different dynamic between two sisters versus a brother and a sister or two brothers, obviously. Um, yeah. But yeah, with this movie, I feel like it's a very important just how 
outside of Jolie's character, it's a movie about subtlety, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With all the small, smaller characters. And I appreciate Vanessa Redgrave. I was like, damn you. Why she's the great in this. God, I didn't even recognize her. I mean, she's doing... <laughs> she's, no. she's only in like I two or three scenes, right? Yeah, she's a, she's not a big, big part in this, but like, damn, she kills it. Yeah, she is. she's only in for like two, maybe three scenes max. Mm-hmm. And she's only talking for two of them, I think. But by golly, she's important. She's a very symbolic character mm-hmm. as well. And, and sort of like the, the view on her kind of like changes a mm-hmm. lot over the course of the film. Um, so are we just going to go down the aisle and, and do the next James Mangold film for next week? What you is the James Mangold? Well, this one, is a, this one is a picadillo of mine. This is one of my like love to hate on this movie so much. I love to hate on this movie. So I'd, I'd have fun doing it. It's uh, 2003's Identity starring John Cusack, um, Amanda, Amanda Peet, uh, Ray Liotta, his, his uh, follow up with Ray Liotta. Um, <laughs> And uh, Alfred Molina, Rebecca <laughs> Dumornay, Claire Duvall, also again with Claire Duvall, and it's a uh, it's a it's a freaking movie. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen movie. it. I, I I I know nothing about it, honestly. I assume by the uh, title, it is about uh, change of identities or someone stealing an identity. <laughs> it's definitely about something. John Hawks is in this. Uh, the kid, Gary Busey's kid is in this, uh, Jake Busey. Um, basically everybody is in this. Oh, Dr. Dr. Cox from Scrubs is in this. Oh. A lot of people in this freaking movie. So I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it. Also, the guy from Heavy is in this movie. Uh, oh, with the yeah. eyes? Yeah, the guy with the eyes. Yeah, the, with mm-hmm. the flickering eyes. You'll see him in this film. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this one's a trip. I figured this movie out from the trailers, y'all. Just want to let you know that, just about how good it is. Uh, I, it's funny you say that because I feel like I, I felt watching, I remember seeing the movie Shutter Island with my family. I, after like 15 minutes, I turned to my mom and I told her the ending. I was like, Hey mom, I guess it's going to be this. Yeah. (laughs) You was livid that I got it right. (laughs) I do that that constantly, but I also do that. It's kind of parlor tricks. What I just do is I guess, and I guess, and I guess until eventually I'm right. But it comes off like I just guessed the correct answer right off the bat. I have, I do have very good sense for where things are going, but I'm not always right the first time. Kind of takes a couple guys. I got six, I got six cents right before, like before I ever saw it. Which is mm-hmm. pretty impressive. I, I just don't like. I feel like Shutter Island is definitely one of Scorsese's most yeah, overrated movies. I don't think people liked it. People don't like Shutter Island, did they? I know a lot of people that fucking love that movie. I feel like that movie was like considered kind of a failure on him, but. Who knows? I might be wrong. I, um, I agree, but people um, love that fucking movie. I love the of that movie. That was like the <laughs> era of like Leo in that and Leo in uh, Inception. It was like almost like Leo's self-seriousness being kind of silly. It's a dooley to pot at that Oh, and like, another blonde dies or already died. Michelle Williams, yeah. Yeah, the, the, right. the dead wife. Another, the dead wife thing another is dead blonde in a Scorsese movie. Crazy. Yeah. What? Yep, another dead blonde. Unexpected. Well, also, like, just like Inception, there's, like, just the dead wife thing. Uh, but, anyway, spoilers for yes. Inception and, and uh, uh, freaking Shutter Island. But, yeah, I mean, it's not to say that that's a bad movie. It's just he's doing a very silly accent, and it's the plot is basically the story, I Am the Cheese, if you've ever read that book. Um, so, with that being said, I cannot wait to discuss identity with you next week, Alex. Um, mm-hmm. Where can people find you? 
guys, you can find me up here at real underscore Alex Mack. I am going to be going away this week for a, for the rest of the week for a wedding. So I'm going to definitely be running to watch this as soon as possible before I probably forget and come next Tuesday. So, um, yeah, but in the meantime, I'm trying to watch a whole bunch of movies. I'm trying to watch 300 new movies by the end of the year. And I'm definitely, I'm, bare, I'm not even at 200 yet. I'm like at 185 or something. So wish me luck. Good what, what's next on your list? What? What's next on your list? Um, I'm just trying to finish the rest of the um, uh, Nemo on Elm Scream franchise. I just oh, finished. Yeah. I did finish the rest of. I did finish the entire Exorcist franchise the other day. Ooh, how was that? Um, yeah, I actually liked it quite a bit more than I thought. I was my what favorite. About the last year? weren't they like? weren't they just the same movie that was no? Was they okay okay they're so different okay so really? they're so different they're covering in essence the same thing but mm-hmm. they got a hold of the first cut of the movie and they're like we hate it mm-hmm. so we're gonna reshoot everything and we're gonna change wow. the plot, recast the actors yeah <laughs> and it's so bad <laughs> and they re-released it and it's laughably bad the original version much better it's um it actually had something to say and it's yeah. shot a lot better they even changed the composer that's so weird man yeah. what studio that's not no um okay well guys you can check me out at video drew across all social media platforms as well as my patreon patreon.com backslash video drew uh also check out content candy uh it is nom noms for your ears this is what I've said. No, wait, wait, no, I had a really good phrase for it. It's content candy. It's like, well, it's oh damn it. I think I had a good phrase on Twitter. I'll figure it out. But that's where you can listen to the audio version of both of this podcast, of some audio exclusives like Neon Harris is gone and Garmin Shosia and the video chronicles. Um, really like value your support. And if you like and leave and uh, give us a comment and subscribe and you send me a screenshot of your comment, then I will go endorse you for whatever you want on LinkedIn. And what I'm figuring out is people don't really want me to be uh, endorsing them on LinkedIn because so far no one has taken me up on the offer. But I would be very interested to see what you think I can endorse you for on LinkedIn.com. We would also just love for you to subscribe to the thing. It's right there. Right there. Yeah, hit that little subscribe button. Like on Spotify, Apple, and all that good stuff. So mm-hmm. please check it out. We'd really appreciate it. Oh, um, this video too. Like do that whole thing to this video as well. Please. Yes. We'd love that. It. Would be awesome. We'd greatly appreciate it. Um, okay, Alex, I will see you next week. I will talk. Oh, wait, I have one more thing from I have two more things to promote. Jeez. I'm gonna be on a Taylor Best Friends with Regratis guy uh on Wednesday talking about Halloween three season of the witch, aka our favorite movie ever. And then I'll be I, or I'm sorry, that I wasn't asked to join in. I'm I'm appalled. Oh, no. Yeah. So actually, no, sorry. That's on Thursday at 530, I think, mm-hmm. PST. And then at 730 PST on Thursday, I am going to be doing Schmo Bates against, at this point, myself. There is no known contender yet that I'm going to be competing against because Mark Riley had to drop out. So I have offered to debate myself. Let's see if they'll take me up on that challenge. Um, come on, do it, you cowards. Come on, Jake PLD. Let me let me debate myself for like an hour and a half. I can do it. Um and other than that, yeah, I'm going to be on Mount Schmo, Mount Rushmore. 
Mount Schmoe Rushmore? Ryan show. I'm going to do that on Saturday. And Mount Schmodown. Mount Schmodown. Okay. I, was, I knew I was getting it wrong. And uh, I feel like there's like eight more things I'm going to be doing in the near future, but like just keep an eye That's out on the ways. Yeah. Um, otherwise, guys, thank you so much for joining us. We will talk to you soon and goodbye for now and have a good day. And also, we love you. Bye. Bye. Boop.